Welcome to Broken Catholic, the show where I interview practicing Catholics, non-Catholics, and recovering Catholics about why the world isn't working right now, and tackle unspeakable topics that many people secretly struggle with but won't admit. See, I believe that God is in the business of transformation, so I'm here to stand for you having a transformation so big that when God is done with you, you're barely recognizable. I'm your host, your coach, your brother, Joseph Warren. I'm also a broken Catholic and former atheist, and I freely share my personal struggles of being a modern Catholic man. It's freaking hard. I don't have it all figured out. I'm a work in progress just like you, and that's okay. Today, our featured guest is Mark Graham, and our topic is uncertainty. How do I really know that God is in control of my life? Now, Mark, this is a question we all wrestle with, I think, at many moments of our life. So before we get into the topic, first off, thanks for joining us on the show. Uh, I'm, I'm excited about this conversation. It's excited to see you because you're a good friend of mine. And uh, But let's give our audience some context. So if you could just uh, state the industry you work in, uh, name of your business, if you'd like to share that, and your title there. Well, Joe, first of all, thanks for having me on. It's going to be fun. Yes, sir. I've gotten to know you over the last couple of years. And think you're doing a great job. I certainly appreciate your support of uh, CVMC, yes. Christian Businessmen's Connection. I know that you uh, host some of our meetings, which we greatly appreciate. It's a great and group. It, it is. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's something that you asked me about my business, but that's really something I've evolved into mm. over the last couple of years because I've been in the financial services business since I was in college. Whoa. And that was started in 1970. So there I've just let everybody know how old I am. You just dated yourself, yeah, brother. Yeah, and it didn't take me 10 years to get out of college. So <laughs> I was a four-year guy in and out. Yeah. But uh, having that kind of experience, obviously you deal with a lot of people sure. over your life. And having been a Christian that entire time, uh, I've had a lot of experiences that mm. made, me a, made me uncertain of my faith, even sometimes, or uncertain about my direction in life or mm. what God's purpose was for me in life. So that's kind of the topic of our conversation. Absolutely. And I think but, everyone can relate to that. So, yeah. yeah. So, but, but that's how I made a living and that's how we made what some people would consider a fortune at one time. Yeah. And, uh, You've done and, well in business. And we've, we raised our family and, uh, managed to stay married for 48 years, which is a whole nother topic we could talk <laughs> on for about five, five different sessions. And I'm sure there was some uncertainty in your marriage, oh, right? Yeah. That's just from, marriage. Yep. From day one. From day one. Yeah. <laughs> What did I do? Yeah, what did I get myself into? Here? <laughs> As I drove away from the, the, the rehearsal dinner with $36 in my pocket, I'm wondering, what am I doing? You know, as a man, I mean, finances, right? It's like our occupation, the money in our po pocket. It's like we literally place our identity in it. Yeah, it's our scorecard. It's our yeah. security. And a lot for the, the wives, too. But uh, more so probably for them, as my experience has mm -hmm. unfolded to prove out to be. But... Uh, that business, you know, certainly put me in front of a lot of people. Uh, fortunately, our business was one of a model that where it was more about leadership than it was about salesmanship. And we taught people how to build teams and how to build organizations, mm. be self-sufficient, run their own operations, those kinds of things all over the country. So uh. we, we had a lot of great experiences through that. And as time went along, and my, as you know, my son's involved with me in the business for the last 20 years. And um, it's not that I don't like my business, but I was kidding with somebody the other day that I've been trying to get out of this business for a long time. <laughs> and and I it's, get that. It, it's just that uh, 
and I've used it as a platform certainly for yeah. years, but I just felt that there's a calling on my life to use that business. Mm. Uh, you know, and a great reference for that is that book, Business as Mission, terrific mm -hmm. book. And uh, I believe that everybody has a mission right where they're at. And I'm not leaving the insurance and investment business just to, because I don't like it or any of that. That's not what's happening. I'm, I'm involved in that business. But I wanted to get closer to Christian guys mm. and help them not only develop their business, but their personal and spiritual walk. Yeah. So through CBMC, I got involved with what's called the Leadership Institute. Mm. And now I help develop peer advisory groups where we meet with business people mm. that are searching for that. And they want to do it in an atmosphere that's confidential, that they don't have to worry about their buddy from church talking to somebody else, or that one of their competitors steals their idea. Yeah, sure, things. right. So we're very uh, exclusive in that we only allow a particular business model or type of business mm. in the group mm -hmm. of its kind. Right, so, right. So you, you want to remove the, the natural marketplace competition from the exactly. group setting. Yeah, and that, free, that. and that frees people up, too. Yeah, sure. They're they not speak guarded. freely. Yeah. And, and by, by them typically not going to the same church, they're also pretty confident that the gossip mill is not going to get hold of something they might, mm -hmm. uh, you know, they might disclose with us. Yeah. So what I have found over the last year, Joseph, is that We've got a great group of guys mm -hmm. that are successful people. I was able. You invited me to one of your, you know, mastermind group yeah, meetings, yeah, and yeah. the level of the caliber of the gentlemen and business owners yeah. in that room mm -hmm. was like, I was the little guy, and and I felt that, and that was awesome. That was an awesome feeling. I was like, I want to be in more rooms like this. Well, our groups have you know people many different levels. You don't you don't have to have a ten million dollar company to get in the club. But um, we have some of those, and we have guys that just got a couple million dollar type companies, sure. and they're doing well, and they want to do more. But they, the, the the biggest thing I have come back to me feedback wise, because I ask people three questions, if they're if they're saying they want to belong. Okay. The first question is, why would you want to belong? Mm -hmm. And it's amazing how many of them tell me I want more accountability in my life. Wow. That blew me away. I never, ever, of all, because what I expected was. That's interesting, Mark, because well, we, we tend to think that we want to run away from accountability, right? Well, but, but particularly in the world that we live in as guys, because it is an all-guys club. Mm -hmm. Now, we're not the he-man woman haters club, but mm -hmm. it's all about men. Because when, when a woman enters the room, the, the, the atmosphere, dynamic changes. The atmosphere sure. changes. Guys aren't going to be open and all that. Right, and they can't share those deep-down guys talk. E exactly. You know? exactly. I get it. So I was blown away by that, that they really wanted accountability. Mm. That was like one of the top ones. One of sure. the other ones was uh, they, they wanted to improve their spiritual life. Yeah. So that told me they were beyond just looking for more money, yeah. bigger business. Which makes sense because they're at that stage of their business. They're at that stage of their life. They're searching for more. They've already made the money. The bills are paid. It's Well, not, not all because a, a lot of them are really – of a mindset that they they want to they want to get bigger, mm. but that needs to be for the right reasons too. So we, we talk about that. So, so what's that, the second question? The second second question is what do you expect to get from the group? Mm, gotcha. Which is another kind of question that leads me into you know why they're really joining. 
Yeah, and what's the, the most common answer for that? Wisdom. Wisdom. Got it. And what's the third question? The third question is, what are you going to give to the group? Ah, because you can't just take people. You can't just take. You got to be a servant leader. Right. You got to give, right. give, give. Right. So that I get that. That challenges them a little bit. And then if I'm introducing a new person to the group, which we, we don't kick them off without at least 10 people, but for example, for the last two guys that joined this particular group and <clears throat> we're maxing it out there, I have a fourth question then for a bonus question. Well, no, it's a bonus question for the guys who are already in the group. Oh, okay. So when, when I interview a person and invite them on board, because I think they're the So right, you're bringing a new guy in, you, you right ask dynamic, a question. Everybody yeah. tells their story, let them know who they are. And sure. why so they answer those questions. This is why I joined. This is what I was expecting to get from the group, and this yeah. is why I intend to give the group. And then their fourth question is really more around a testimony, because mm. that question is, how's that been working out for me in the group? Got it. So, yeah. Is it working? Yeah, exactly, right? And so that— You guys want to hear that. Uh, yeah, is this it, worth my time, my yeah, energy, my that, investment? And that sure. gives them some confidence that, you know, if, if that's happening for them, perhaps it could happen for me. And there you go. And you just tied us and segued us into uncertainty, right? right. We want to be certain. I'm joining this thing. Am right. I going to get what I'm being promised, et cetera? Yeah. Okay, so let's—I'd like to, to kick off the every episode this way, Mark, with this question. It's a broad question. Why do you, Mark Graham, think that the world isn't working right now? Uh, well, f first of all, the, so many in the world don't know God, and they haven't trusted Christ as their Savior. That would at least get them along the path. Now, if you take it from a more of a humanistic standpoint, I think it's really more about they don't take personal responsibility. Mm. Expand on that, please. Well, let me give you an example. Uh, a couple months ago, uh, I'm on a board for a bank, and uh, they ask, they were asking those kinds of questions, and they asked me, with your experience in the financial services business, why do you think we have the problems that we have that we're going through in our world right now? And I said, I, th I think it's because people don't take responsibility. They want the government to take care of them, or they want to blame somebody else mm. for everything. And that's what causes a lot of this division. Mm. Instead of just taking life as it has come to them and say, this is how it is. What am I going to do about it? Mm. They say, look what's happening to me, and that's somebody else's fault. Mm. And I want them to fix it for me. I think you're spot on. So I was just out with the guys yes <coughs> excuse me, yesterday, and we have about 40 of us, and we uh, smoke cigars and have drinks and everything. We call it Holy Smokes. <laughs> Isn't that cool? So, uh, yeah, and, and, and I'm chatting, and a few of the guys were talking about you're exactly. Si you're sipping saints, huh? Sipping saints, baby. <laughs> uh, yeah, so two of the guys were talking exactly about what you're saying, and they're like, it's a lack of accountability. And he said, you know, they looked at the, they were talking about the NFL and bending right. the knee and everything like that. And he's like, listen, those real world things uh, happen. And this is going to be controversial, what I'm sharing. However, sit with it and listen to what's actually being said. What's the message? It's like, they're like, we get it. You put down a knee or whatever because of br police brutality and you feel like, you know, African-Americans are being persecuted in America today. And he goes, one of the guys goes, I'm Irish background. And he's like, you think the Irish weren't Amen. persecuted at one time here in America? 
And the other one's like, yeah, the Italians were persecuted, the Puerto Ricans. You know, pick a culture, pick a race, pick it, a denomination. If you're a Catholic in, in the United States, it's like you're the scapegoat of every joke, every <laughs> night comedy show. You stole it from the Polacks, right? Right. It's just like, listen, this is the brokenness of the world. This is the brokenness of humanity. Unfortunately, this is what we do to each other. We don't play nice in the sandbox. And, you know, from their standpoint, and they weren't making light of it. They're saying it's wrong that we do this. Um, however, you know, the African-American uh, in America right now is there is some persecution sure. there without a doubt. However, it's not unique to them. This if you look at uh, just American history, let alone human history, every race, every denomination has suffered some kind of trial and tribulation. Look at the Jews right in Germany and the Holocaust and everything. It's like but to sit here and this was the message. They like to sit here and blame your life and your problems on that and not just live. He's like, one of them said, my mom was a Holocaust survivor wow. and she doesn't sit there and not move on with her life because her people, her family were abused and tortured. She's like, she's never going to get an apology for that. And she's not waiting. She's not waiting for someone to make it right. That atrocity. It's, it's just how life showed up for her. So how is life showing up for you? Where are you feeling blamed or uh, feeling persecuted or whatever? Stop blaming and start living. Just move on. Stop waiting for someone to make it right and to come and make you feel better. That sucks. It sucks it happened, right? But move on. Give it to God. It's bigger than you. What shows up for you in that? I know we're off topic, but I, we're going to bring Not it really. right around. I mean, uh I've come to understand over not just my business life, but just life, that the reality is, for me, and I, th I think this is probably consistent with most people if they really look at it, everything that I have that is of value, real value, mm. not just the big house or the money or mm -hmm. the nice car, but everything that I have of value, my wife, my kids, my mm. health, Things you can't replace. The relationships yeah. that I have, I had nothing to do with. Hmm. I mean, if you look at your own life, you'll find that most of the things happened as a result of God engineering your circumstances. Most of the time without you even knowing it. So that's how it's occurred for you now. Absolutely. I mean, if you, you know, I'm the oldest of seven boys. Uh, my mother... Uh, uh, we God bless her. Yeah, God bless her. Yeah, <laughs> we, there was there were eight of us. Wow. But uh, we lost one very young, mm. the only girl she had. But uh, my mother divorced my father, who was a World War II guy. Mm. Talk about it, we, I could blame a lot of stuff on that whole deal. Sure. But uh, he was at Iwo Jima, got beat, you know, got wounded, and he mm -hmm. went through a lot of trauma, all that stuff that we talk about nowadays that they never talked about. Mm. But. Uh, she, they divorced shortly after I was born. And then she remarried and started having children, <laughs> mm. lots of them. And we were poor people. Mm. So I ended up being sent to live with my grandparents. Now, we were in the same town, but my grandparents raised me. Mm. I had nothing to do with that. Mm. First of all, I had nothing to do with being born to her. Right. Or that my father, you know, had been uh, the kind of guy that really had a difficult emotional 
life. Mm-hmm. Last time I saw him, I was nine years old. Yeah, and he was in a war that caused traumatic, horrific. horrific. The, the yeah. way, and his piece of it there at Iwo Jima was just unconscionable. Mm. Just thousands of people getting killed left and right. But anyway, um, so by going to live with my grandparents, uh, although I saw my mother every week and uh, the rest of my brothers and all that, I lived a little different life than them. Yeah. Not that I was particularly spoiled or anything because we didn't have much. My grandfather was a, a, a factory worker, mm-hmm. which, which leads me to a side story about all this NFL stuff. It really chaps me. My grandfather played for the Canton Bulldogs for five bucks a game. Hmm. You know, the original sure. football team. And yeah. the, the fact there's a picture of his team. So he didn't get paid $20 million no, a year. No, no. <laughs> but, 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 but that's the same guy that at age 29 lost his eye in an industrial accident. And then two years later when Pearl Harbor hit, he went down with three children already and tried to uh, enlist, and they wouldn't take him. Mm. He had one eye and three kids. <laughs> they, would, they, they, they wouldn't take him. I could see the problem there. But, but, that's the, but, but see, that was the kind of guy. Yeah, he stood for something. That, that, well, he, wasn't, he, he was taking some personal responsibility. You know, we're in a fight. Yes. I'm going to go do my share. You know I'm what? I'm going to try to do my I, part. I think you just brought up something really cool, right? We're in a society right now, Mark, where people don't take personal responsibility for their own lives. That Your grandfather wasn't – he was taking responsibility for his own life and for the lives of others, right? For his country, he was taking a stand. He was putting himself yep. at cause, he was himself willing. at risk. So we've not only totally moved away from that – standing for others, taking responsibility for others, for our country, for our people, for our friends. But now we're in a society where it's like, you know, you get the pat on the back for being irresponsible in your own life. You get rewarded. Yeah, and the government will pay you for it. And and it's it's a broken world, right? So that's why I do this show, right? So you're touching on a lot of things here. Yeah, but But that's that's a change that needs to be seen, like we talked about earlier. Absolutely, right? But the change starts with individually right mm-hmm. it starts with you and i mark taking a stand as you're listening right now it starts with you right you're listening to this podcast and you're hearing mark and myself talk about this and hopefully something's showing up in your life about your life you know where are you not standing where are you not taking responsibility and blaming others for your circumstances or what you were born into um you know your childhood your parents Listen, you got to ask yourself this first off, right? Because I've wrestled with this my whole life, right? Mark is, uh, you know, looking at I was born to a family, divorce, very traumatic. Man, that like messed up the first 10 years of my adult life, etc. And I would blame. I would blame my parents. It's your fault my life's not working out. It's your fault that my relationships with girls are just weird, you know, dysfunctional and all this stuff. And then I got to the point where it was just like someone called me out on it and said, hey, listen, you do a lot of blaming. I was like, I do? Yeah, you do. How's it working for you? Is it making your life better? I'm like, well, I guess it's not. Then why are you doing it? What do you think would make your life better? Sitting there and blaming or going and doing something about it, going and creating a life for yourself? And, man, I really got that. And it took me a long time to get it. I'm a slow learner, but listen, if that's, I hope you're hearing that, you know, as you're listening to the, listening to the show right now, it's like, 
how's it working for you blaming others and not taking responsibility for your own life, right? But let's bring this all around. How do I really know, Mark, that God is in control of my life? Well, and that's that's where I was headed. But just to kind of put that aside now, to tie that up, is my favorite question to my reps that were struggling or my kids as they were struggling with whatever, the first question would be, what are we going to do about it? Yeah, that's taking responsibility. Yeah, what, what, what are we going to do about it? I mean, that's, all right, that's done. What are we going to do about it? Yeah. So, again, back to where I came from, that's pretty much how my grandfather raised me. You know, it was, hey, you're down, get up. Mm. You struck out, get back in there and bat again. Mm. You're not doing well catching the ball, practice some more. I almost think we should have titled the show, you know, Personal Responsibility now. Well, maybe that's a good, maybe that's a good title. <laughs> and I can always but, change but, it. But, but uh, <laughs> you know, I, 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 in one, I, I don't know if you ever read any of Oswald Chambers stuff, but his book, My My Utmost for His Highest, is a classic. It's a great book. I try to read it every day. There's a, a devotional every day. Mm. And one of his themes is being certain in your uncertainty. Okay, explain that because that's like an oxymoron, right? That's well, like, it is, but it's, it's it's germane to what we're talking about here. Yeah. We're all uncertain, but how do you become certain in your uncertainty? And that comes about in knowing that you're here for a reason. And you're not actually in control of There's a of purpose for your life. Yeah. Yeah. And whatever's happening is for a reason. Mm. So you can be certain, even though you're uncertain, you can be certain there's a good reason for this and the outcome is going to be good. So what I'm hearing you say is I could be certain that I'm uncertain about what's actually happening, yeah. but there is a reason behind it. I'm not an accident. My life is not an accident. Right. The things that are happening to me are not an accident. They're literally for my good, mm -hmm. right? To grow me closer exactly. uh, to my Father in heaven, right? So I get that, yeah. Well, Ephesians 2.10 says uh, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God created in advance for mm. us to do. He's already got it laid out. And we can't see it, right? Yeah. And we always want to see it. But that's where he's nudging us along and re-engineering our circumstances all the time. So in my case, this, this great life that I've been fortunate to live out started with an unlikely circumstance mm -hmm. that for most people would be very uncomfortable. But it worked out great because I got raised by a guy that had principle, had character. Mm. He was my, my model. Mm. Mo the most money the poor man ever made in his whole life, his top year was $10,000. Wow. I made more than that my first year in the insurance business yeah. as a college student. Yeah. So it wasn't about money. He's the guy that taught me how to love a woman. How he treated my grandmother was unbelievable. I never heard him raise his voice. I mean, he just treated her with total respect. He also took care of both his mother and his uh, mother-in-law. I was raised with them in the same household because he took them in when they got old and sick. He didn't put them in a nursing home. No, no. But, uh, th so that whole thing, the, I got to witness all that in circumstances where some people say, oh, well, you were orphaned. You were sent off. That was I never thought like that. Mm. But you could have. You could have decided that and created a wholly, right. totally different life for yourself. Right. So as things worked out, so I go off to college to, you know, I'm a University of Akron grad. I'm a zip. Hmm. Very proud of it. Akron. Yeah. And uh, I had no clue even why I was there except to 
A, and I was not a protester, and I wasn't one of those kind of people, but I didn't get what was going on in the war mm. in, in Vietnam at the time. And th- that was one way to try to sift through without being thrown into it. And then uh, I really thought that this was going to be my key to making money. And I also thought that I'd find a rich girl. <laughs> That's what I really thought. Well, I, the very first day of school, actually it was freshman year, I met my wife. Wow. That day. Now, how does that happen? That's not, a, I mean, that's not just an accident. And here we are, you know, we got married two years later, and we've been married now for 48 years. So wow. I look at that and say, well, how does that, how did that ha- happen? I didn't do that. Why was she there at that moment when you walked by and boom? I didn't walk by. She was in the wrong place. Okay. We were freshman year. She came in late with her girlfriend, these two gorgeous girls, Walk in. I'm up there scared. To, I just didn't want to screw up. I was the only kid in my family that went to college. Mm. And I'm sitting up there, and I said, wow, man, things are looking up. These two girls are gorgeous. And there, there, was, there was hundreds of people in the room. And the guy told her, he says, you're in the wrong place, and you're late, which has been a constant theme in our life. Mm. <laughs> 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 and he said, but I can't send you to where you're supposed to be in this other class, so go up and sit next to that guy. As I was up there sitting all by myself trying to stay out of trouble. And she sat down next to me and turned around and looked at me and said, hi, I'm Midge. And I'd never met a Midge in my life, and I was <laughs> impressed that she could even speak. <laughs> and uh, I thought, wow, this is good. And so how does that happen? How does that happen? How does that happen? Like that's just such an unlikely story, right? But it She's continues. at the wrong place yeah. at the wrong right. time, and then she's told specifically, yeah. go sit next to your yeah. future husband yeah. without the professor knowing it without her knowing it, without you knowing it, who knew it? God knew it. God knew it. And designed it. And designed it. So there we are. And then uh, I, the last that thing. That just I, gave me chills, man. Yeah, Come on. I want that to happen in my yeah, life. The, God, did you hear me? And the last thing I ever expected, because I went to college, uh, University of Akron is a great engineering school. So I went there because my fa- grandfather and all my family worked in factories. They wanted me to be the guy with the white shirt on, okay, the engineer guy at the at the factory. So I had enough grades and all that, and I and and, and that's where I was headed. I didn't want to be an engineer. They wanted me to be an engineer. Mm. I hated that. Such a common story, Mark. Oh my goodness. So uh, that didn't last long, but by providence, one of my fraternity brothers got me a job in the insurance business when the sheet metal company I was working for went on strike over the summer. And for whatever reason, I did good at it, and I liked it. Now, that wasn't in the, my plan, but it was in his plan. And I look back, and I never got out of it. Mm. And one thing just led to another. And, you know, again, circumstantial, I got moved to Florida. I never expected that. That was out of the blue because I was quitting this company. And my, I asked my wife, I said, what do you, what do you think I can do to, to, to even stay with these people? Because they're asking me to, to be here. And she says, see if they'll move us to Florida. I said, what? We're Ohio people. And that's what happened. It's a great story. I'll tell it to you sometime. But they moved me to Florida because I was going to quit. And I told my wife, let's move to Florida. And they did it. Wow. And here I've been since 1973. So all these things, and I look back at all the things that have And now even the whole thing with the CBMC, I didn't know what the CBMC was. Yeah. I didn't know they started back during the Depression with a bunch of business guys. I never heard of them. So, Mark, before you go there to present day, I, I want to just pause for where you just took us, right? Back then, 
early days, college, uh, you meet your wife, uh, you get married, right? Uh, you're working in the sheet metal business. How close was God in your life at that time? Um, only to the extent, again, background, my grandparents took me to church every Sunday. Got it. And, and I got the message when I was 13. I went before the church and com- made a confession and got baptized the same day. Mm. So, and I knew it. You know, I knew that something different had happened. Like in your core. Me. And I, I knew that this is where I'm supposed to be. Mm. That I have to have this relationship mm-hmm. that God is real and that he sent his son to die for me. And that because I believe in that, there's something there for me that I can always fall back on. I just really believe that. Did I do it? No. Okay, describe what you mean about well, did you do it, did you, know, you not guy, do it? I was a guy's what guy. What was your life? All that stuff, you know. Uh, uh, again, I was very fortunate in school. I got pretty good grades. I was senior class president. I was an athlete. All that kind of stuff that you hang your hat on. But I was never really challenged in my faith. My folks took me to Sunday school every Sunday, and I went. But, it's, man, once I got out of the house, I quit going. Because mm-hmm. in my day, when you went, when you went to college, there was a strong, strong influence from people we'd call liberals now that were deeply embedded in the curriculum mm. and and the and all the teachers. Mm-hmm. They wanted to blame everything on the Catholics during mm-hmm. during the Dark Ages and all the mm-hmm. stuff that went down. And boy, they're bad people and all this. So there was a clear agenda being there pushed. There was definitely on you. an agenda, and I thought, and I started to question. You know, hey, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, this, I wonder if there really is a God, you know? Mm. And, and, I, and this Jesus guy, he is, man, he's, he's rock solid dude, but am I banking my whole life on that? Mm. You know, I would question those things. And by the way, my wife was raised Catholic. Mm. 12 years of Catholic school, you know, mm-hmm. uh, girls high school, you know, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Not that they were wealthy or anything, they, they went to their parish <coughs> school. And she had no clue. Mm. And no, this is nothing against it. But she just went there because she had to go there. Sure. She'd never she was de- born into that she family. She had never de- yeah. de- developed a personal relationship with Jesus yeah. Christ. And so we as a team getting married, we didn't have any interest in that. She was glad to get away from the Catholic Church. And, mm. and I was glad to have all this so-called freedom that I had. And now we're living in Florida and everything's wonderful. You know, we're just yeah. living the life and all that. But it wasn't much of a life. Okay, so God was very much, uh, uh, you were far away from God at that moment, you and your wife, just for context. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, okay. And I got married in the Catholic Church. Yeah. And we did the whole the whole deal. You know, we had yeah. the, the mass along with the, the whole thing. You know what it's all about. Yeah. But then uh, I was very fortunate. The guy's one of my very best friends to this day that I met through business here in Tampa in 1979 invited me out to his church uh, and I went just because he was my buddy mm-hmm. and I t- that's how I, God gets us but yeah but I t- <laughs> and there's a good message there yeah but uh, uh, and my wife certainly wasn't particularly interested by mm-hmm. now you know we had two children by now and uh, he invited me out but I had seen a change in his life mm. because he we, we had a city championship softball team here and he was a pr- pretty good player and we became really good friends and instead of him hanging around at the bar after the game, he might come to the bar, have a beer, and leave. Mm. And, and that you noticed that. And, oh, I noticed. And his language cleaned up mm. a lot. And he was 
was just he was a different guy. You know, what you just said is powerful, and I think that's a, a message I just want to hang on to for a second is, you know, so many times we think, oh, about conversion or evangelization of others. Uh, the greatest evangelization uh, comes from witnessing a life transformed. Mm-hmm. And you're sharing that right now. You saw a transformation in your buddy right. where he started to give up the, the behaviors uh, the ungodly behaviors, and you start to say, wow, there's something different here. What's going on? And maybe even there was a I want that type of occurrence going on Didn't to you. Didn't sit around thinking about it, yeah. but it was there. And and by the way, you know, the, the greatest evangelism tool you have is your personal testimony. Yes. You know, it's all the story. books, all the t- your stories, nothing sells like a story, man. I mean, yeah. that's just, that's just, that's the business world too. So anyway, I watched Steve. And uh, he invited me out to his church, and I told my wife, I said, Mitch, you know, Steve's wanting us to go. I, I, I know he's got religion now, and he wants to share his church with us. And, <laughs> and, and the hook was, we're having a movie. And I said, oh, that's cool. That's different. You're having a movie? He said, yeah. He said, he said you'll really like it, and you got to come. I said, okay. So I <laughs> well, the movie, I'll never forget, the movie was called The Distant Thunder. Okay. And it was all about the rapture. Oh my God, so that's intense, yo! Oh man, it scared you right in the kingdom. I mean, it was <laughs> like <laughs> people, people are disappearing, other people are going through hell. I mean, it was it was scary stuff. What was the conversation <laughs> with Midge on the drive home? Oh, after that? no, it got, it's better than that. She she got saved that night. What? Yes, sir. She got saved that night, and I recommitted that night. What? Yeah, and then we started going to church there, and I got involved in a Bible college. A whole all out of that one night. So. Again, yeah. there was, do, is God in control of your life? Why did that night happen? Why did you say yes to that? Why did you go and speak and invite your wife to it, even though you both were very far away from the church at that time? Why did your wife say yes? Why did she, you know, when you showed up, she gave her, recommitted, right? Gave her heart, her full life, her future to God. You recommitted your life, your future to God, your marriage, everything. Why did that happen? Because God's got a plan for us. Yeah. And I can be certain of that. It's undeniable. And you know what? I can't argue with your story. It's your story. It's true. It's real. I can't argue it. It's not like, well, that didn't happen. Uh, You're like, uh, Prove it to me. Hey, Joseph, I lived it. It happened. And it's continuing to happen. Yeah. And And it's just the coolest thing. I mean, it really is. So it's magical. It, 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 well, it's providential. You know, yeah. God's got a, and it's a very hard concept to grasp that he's definitely got a plan for each and every one of us. But when you look at the universe and see the, the billions of stars out there, and they're all in conjunction, everything's working perfectly. And yeah, some days are warmer than other days and all that kind of stuff. But believe me, he's in control. He knows what's going on. He knows what's going on. You're, you know, one of my other favorite verses in Proverbs uh, 521 says for man's ways are in full view of the for for man's ways are in full view of the Lord and he examines all his past yeah. he knows exactly what you're up to he knows what you're thinking he knows what what's going on he knows which way you're headed but he also has a purpose that's already set out for you and he constantly engineers those circumstances mm. To move that along. So let's speak about that, right? Because we're talking a lot of warm and fluffy here, mm-hmm. which is great. However, 
I know some of our listeners are listening right now and saying, hey, I'm going through a valley right now. I am struggling. How do I know God's in control? I don't feel him in my life. I don't think he's present. How could he leave me, abandon me, right? Just like Jesus, you know, on the cross. It's like, Father, you know, why have you abandoned me? We all go through those moments. Uh, Share with us one of those moments in your faith journey, Mark, uh, where even though you had recommitted your life and everything, you just felt like, you know, God wasn't there. God wasn't in control. You weren't in control. And why is this, these bad things happening to you or to someone you love? Yeah, well, I think after the, uh, you know, because we had our own investment company, a securities broker dealer, big mortgage company, insurance agency, all that stuff tied together all over the country. And, and uh, all of a sudden, everything started going bad. Mm. Uh, my relationships with, I had two partners, went really bad. To the point where the 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 result had to be, I just had to get away from them. Mm. There there were just things going on that I just knew weren't where I needed to be, and uh, things really went bad. You know, financially, we we didn't have the kind of income that we used to have, and we started have to get rid of stuff you know that we thought was important, and all that hurt. And all of a sudden, there were pressures on me I hadn't experienced in years and years and years, and. Uh, I just I can just remember clearly reemphasizing to myself I've got to get recentered. Mm. I've got to get back to where I know that He is my source, and all these things are kind of circumstantial, and all the, these things will pass, and that He's got a plan for me. I've just got to I just got to refocus. How did you get present to that? that all these things will pass when you're in it, when you're in the mud, how do you get present to the grass, you know, getting out of the mud? Well, fortunately, you do it? fortunately I had people that I knew uh, that I could share some of my concerns with. Uh, and some of them were secular because I was in a men's uh, peer advisor group that was really high end and it mm. was secular. Sure. But they gave me good advice in terms of, working my way out of some of these situations. But then I also had some Christian friends that just said, Mark, you gotta get you gotta get plugged in. You gotta you gotta get around some more often, more Christians. You gotta get more active in a particular church. And you gotta start giving more. Mm. And that was a really, really interesting yeah, concept. Because like, because the money was all flying out and none was flying in. Right. So how do you get present to what do you mean I have to start giving more? Everything's being taken from me right now. How do I give more when, when I'm losing? Well, you, you got to give from what you got, and it's a spiritual principle. So uh, we made a determination, my wife and I, that regardless of how little may be coming in, the appropriate portion, which was a minimum of 10%, was going to go somewhere that was not, not part of my agenda. It wasn't like me making this worldly investment or sticking in this right. account. It, it wouldn't really, benefit you. Not, not directly. Yeah. So, yeah, it could start with just giving to the church that we were going to. Mm-hmm. Then I got involved in a couple of Christian ministries and started giving giving there. And all, miraculously, things just started to change. But, but the low point was when I was over, because for two years, uh, all I did was fight. For two years, we weren't growing the business. 
I found out it was harder to get out of business than it was to get in business. <laughs> when, when you're, That's so true. Yeah, you know, when, when you're in all these different states and all these different regulators and all these different licensings and leases and employees and, and you want to do the right thing, which is what we were committed to, it was very sacrificial. I mean, we didn't, mm. take, we didn't take any money for years. And I kept people on that, that weren't really even working. I just said, said, please go find a job. You know, I, I don't want you to miss because they're living paycheck to paycheck mm. or whatever. And so we went through all that. We gave up, you know, most of our liquidity went out the door within the first year. And it just it went on. And I remember praying uh, one of my, and then the other thing I got on, got on track with was I was going to not only give of my time and treasure, but I, but I was going to make sure that I gave of my time the first thing because it says give the first fruits mm-hmm. of, of your wealth right right so i'd go immediately into my private time when i got up in the morning and pray and study the word and so forth and and uh i had one of those why god mornings where it was all stacked up and you know all i've been doing for two years is fighting with mm. somebody about something and trying to negotiate out or work my way out of this or that and the other thing. Lots just, of stress, anxiety. Oh, um, for most people, but you know, I never missed night's sleep. It was unbelievable. Interesting. I always slept well. I didn't lose my health. Got it. I was tired. Yeah. Yeah. So I, take I, us to that moment when you had that very raw prayer with the Lord conversation. Well, I, was, I was on my knees. I was, and I was literally in tears. And I was saying, why God, why, why is all this happening? And there don't seem to be any, you know, any relief way out. This. Yeah. And, and Joseph, he clearly spoke to me. It's not like audible. You, it's not right. like, well, it was audible to me. Sure. If you'd been in the room, you probably wouldn't have heard. Just like right. the guys when, when Paul was on the road to Damascus, the rest of them didn't hear it, but he mm. heard it, mm-hmm. right? And uh, he just told me. He says, "My grace is sufficient for you." And I thought, you know what? That's all I need. That's that's all I've ever had is grace. What did you take from that? That it was going to be okay. That his grace was enough. That things would work out. It wasn't all about the stuff or the other. God's grace was enough. And sure enough, it always has been. There's, everything has always worked out the way I expected. No. <laughs> but when you look in the mirror, was it better? Yes. Was there a good reason? Absolutely. Would I want to go through it again? No. Do I like the results? Yes. So that's just how God works with us. And it is an individual thing. I mean, his overall truth is permeates all of us. But he does work with us on an individual basis. If we just give him a chance. Mm-hmm. He's, he's always working. We're just not paying attention. And that was my, you know, I... At that moment, because we pray, just like we prayed today. But there are times when your prayer is intense. Yes. Like when Jesus prayed before he knew he was going to be crucified. Blood came out his pores. Mm-hmm. That's intense. Intense. Every fiber of my body that morning was focused on him. And that's when I got the message. My grace is sufficient for you. And it was and is. And I think that's in this uncertain world that we live in and the uncertainty that constantly tortures us every day in our mind, in our, in our, in our whole being to the point where some people it affects their health, Mm -hmm. that there is 
comfort in knowing that he's in control. Just look at, just even if you're young listening in on this, this call, just look at what's happened already in your life. You know, there's been a lot of good things happen to you that you probably had nothing to do with that just kind of fell in your lap or a good thing happened. But now all of a sudden, maybe some bad things are going down. Well, why is that? Well, I'm not going to put condemnation on you and say you're a bad boy or a bad girl. That's not the point because forgiveness is there no matter what mm-hmm. what baggage you're carrying around. But the reality is he has designed us for a purpose. And when we get away from that, we do suffer the circumstances. And just because we can't see his purpose right now does not mean there is no purpose. Absolutely. Yeah. Because what you don't see is part of what's being worked on right now. Mm. You know, if, if, if I'm going to build, and this just came to my mind, if I'm going to, and I'm not a builder, but if I'm going to build a building, I've got in my mind what that thing's going to look like, right? Mm-hmm. But then I have different people do different things to get that building done. Mm. I'm not out there doing it. Mm. I'm not inspecting the pipes. I'm not going back over the wiring. I'm not there when the guy's plastering up. I just go by from time to time, check in on, see how it's going. If something gets bust, we fix it, right? I think God works with us a lot like that, you know. Uh, in, in Psalms it says, uh, with, without the builder, the builders build in vain. Mm-hmm. You know, so. so we're in that metaphor, uh, you and I are the house, right? We're the house that God is building. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> right? And he sends us. I really like this metaphor, Mark, that you just created there uh, because I get that. It's like, okay, if I'm the house and God puts all these contractors, which are the people in my life, right, right, people at my church, my friends, my family, to do work on me without them even knowing half the time what, what their purpose is, they just know the what they were called into whatever to drive a few nails into this little area of the house. Well, listen, driving nails into it, that can occur as painful for the house, right? Mm-hmm. And there's so many times in my life where God has allowed certain people in my life that have caused me pain, right. that have driven in nails. And I want to fight against it. I want to avoid pain. That's what we do as humans. However, God knows that those nails needed to be put in place in order to secure that area of the house that he's building and he sees the end, the finished product. I don't. I'm just, I'm in the moment experiencing the, the ouch, the, oh, this hurts, this is uncomfortable. So as you're listening to the show right now, listen to that metaphor that Mark just dropped on us because that's a wisdom bomb in, in my opinion is, if you're the house right now that's being built and God's building a great house with you, there's going to be, he's put a team around you, people that he's going to bring in and out of your life just to serve one purpose right. and, and to build that one part of you, to strengthen that character, that resilience, that perseverance. And it can be painful, well, but it, this the, too shall pass. Some of them are there just to patch you up. Yeah. I mean, a, a, lot, of, a, a lot of them are there just because there's a specific purpose to be done and they're the messenger. Mm. You know, like a lot of people say, well, they're an angel unaware. Well, there aren't aren't any unaware angels. God knows where they all are. (laughs) Uh, We just don't realize that they're working on our behalf. Mm -hmm. It it is spiritual warfare. 
Yeah, there's sure. a spiritual war going on here. And you have to stay connected to your Savior because that's the strength for you to get through the battle. It's going to happen every day, whether you like it or not. That's just the, hey, Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. But fear not, I have overcome the world. Mm-hmm. So we know we know the end. We know who wins. Yeah. We're on the winning team. Yeah. Uh, but just because you're on the winning team doesn't mean you don't go out and play. You still got to play. That's you right. still got to take your hits. You, you still got to make the mistakes and recoup and all that. The, the good news for us is there's no clock on the game, but there is a final clock. And when that one, when that clock's up, we still won. Mm. So what? What, whatever that uncertainty in, in your life right now, be certain that someone does know what's going on. You know, it's interesting because uh, what's showing up for me and what you just shared with like the baseball game or whatever metaphor is, well, if my life is a game, right, like a baseball game, imagine like if I showed up at a game or you showed up at a game, right, and you were a player and you already knew that say uh you you went back in time a week right and you had already lived the victory of the game you already knew the outcome you already knew the score all that imagine the confidence that you would show up with a week earlier if you had to relive it like why you see all your friends stressing out i don't know if we're gonna win this is the championship this is it and you're like dude trust me be at peace. We've already won. And imagine to to stand in that confidence, how you would play, the the powerfulness that would come through you, the the calm in the storm, how you would occur for others. And I think that's what God calls us to do and how to how to be and act in our own lives is to trust in him. And this is the issue that comes up on every episode, almost every episode, is we love God. We say we love God, but we don't actually trust him. And that's all, all the breakdowns in our life come from that is a lack of trust in the father, whether it be trust that we've already won with him, trust that he is our father, trust that he does have our best interests in mind, trust that there is a plan for our life, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But it's all trust. And if you could, we can just trust in the game's already won. That's my dad. My dad runs the darn universe. Mm -hmm. Why do I have anxiety? Why do I worry about today or tomorrow? Yeah, it's a struggle. It's a cross. It's going to pass. My dad runs the universe and literally stand in that confidence. Man, your life would just occur different, wouldn't it? Well, and I noticed that self-confidence was one of your topics that you cover in your shows here mm. uh, and I don't know how much how much time we got left I hope a few more minutes so we're gonna wrap this up okay yeah. well, let, let me just hit on this one point because uh, a lot of times your uncertainty is directly proportionate to your lack of confidence fair enough yeah okay so in my travels and I would speak on this to our people in leadership meetings all the time was there's a continuum that's built for success if I were to ask you, what does success mean to you? Mm-hmm. Well, to the perf- typical lay person, right, there is all kind of things attached to that. Oh, my family's together. I, I, I've got plenty of money. My retirement's set. Uh, we're healthy. Uh, 
we got everything we need. All, all that, that kind of, I'm a successful person, you know, that, that, but how do you get there? And again, I, I use these, a lot of these sports, sports metaphors, but there's a continuum and it starts out with vision. And you have to have that vision of, of who you are. So once you understand that you are a child of God, that, that alone should increase your vision of what you're really potentially capable of. But that's, but that's not enough. It's one thing just to be a daydreamer and have mm. this vision. The next piece is you got to have this desire component that whatever that is that's this predisposed plan that God's for you, that you're willing to fight through the battle to, to live that out. So it starts with vision, then it goes to desire. For me as a kid in, in high school, my vision was seeing those guys at the pep rallies with their with their letter jackets on and stuff. And I want to be one of those guys, mm-hmm. you know. And the older guys in my neighborhood that, you know, were the stars. I want to be one of those guys, and I desired this. So because as I was willing to pay the price mm. that it takes to get there, mm. and it's not just having the desire to do it. Then you got to go execute that, and that's where you get the discipline. That's the centerpiece is mm. discipline. So for like me getting up every morning and having that quiet time, that took some discipline on my part. You so know? vision, desire, discipline. Discipline's a center key. Mm. Just, you know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were known for their defense when they won the championship, mm. right? Mm-hmm. But they were so disciplined in that. Mm-hmm. And they knew exactly, no matter what the formation showed up, they knew exactly what they So discipline breeds self-confidence. Mm. Because you've been there. You've done it over and over yes. and over. Mastery. And over. Yeah. yeah. So you know what you're capable of, and you know where you're headed. You know that there's going to be obstacles, but you also know how to get over them. And that's what breeds this. Every, the common denominator among successful people is they're all self-confident. Yeah. And, and you just painted the, the step-by-step, here's yeah. how, do you, how you get to self-confidence. So, guys, listen to what Mark just dropped, because that was a major wisdom nugget right there. Uh, so those are the f- the four steps, right, to, boom, land that self-confidence. The way to get there is through God. Just give it to God. Give, surrender to him. So, Mark, we're going to wrap this up in a bow. This is my favorite part of the show. Yeah. Welcome to the confession round. <laughs> so the confession round is where I ask you 12 quick-fire questions. You'll have three seconds to answer each. We're going to go real quick here because i got to wrap this up. Um, don't overthink it. First thing that comes to you. Are you ready? Sure. Here we go. What's your favorite thing about being an adult? Uh, Sharing with others. What's your least favorite thing about being an adult? Sharing with others. (laughs) (laughs) What's no, no, no. (laughs) What secret fear do you have about people? What secret do I have about what secret fear do you have about people? Uh, What secret fear that I can't trust them? Yeah, I get that. If you could be anyone just for fun for the next seven days on the planet, anyone at all, who would you want to trade places with? Nobody. Okay. <laughs> what do you wish you were better at? Um, I wish I was better at making myself more available to people that really need me. Mm. Yeah, I get that too. Because I think success really lands on where your purpose meets someone else's pain. Yeah. What dream are you scared of pursuing? What dream am I scared of pursuing? Yeah. I, I've never really 
that one. Okay. Maybe something to sit with there. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing really scares me. So. Gotcha. <laughs> what makes you smile more than anything? Uh, seeing my wife and kids. Cool. When you were a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be like my grandfather. Sounds like an amazing man. Yeah. If you had the power to remove any one form of suffering from the world tomorrow, what would it be? I guess oppression. Oppression. I get that. Imagine sometime in the distant future, and there you are standing in front of your tombstone. Read to us what it says on it. Here lies a man that loved God. That works. When you die, what would you like to hear God say when you walk through the pearly gates? Well done, my faithful servant. Love it. And last question, Mark. If you could come back to life after you died and tell your family and friends and loved ones only one piece of advice, what would you say to them? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your strength and all your mind. My man. Mark, what's the best way for our listeners to get in touch with you? Um, I mean, they can always reach me at uh, uh, mgram at cbmc.com. Got it. And Mark, thanks for joining us today, and we wish you the love, forgiveness, and transformation of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Friends, I'm Joseph Warren, and you were made for greatness. Head over to BrokenCatholic.com to learn how to stop being a wuss and start being a winner. Have a blessed day, and remember that God the Father loves you, He's fascinated by you, and He wants to show you His awesome plan for your life. Now go spend quiet time with Him, and I'll see you on the next show.